With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Control in Web 3. So who knows uh, what time it is where you're at. And Darren, you're on the other side of the planet, man. How are you today, sir? I'm great. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. It's uh, 9 a.m. in Sydney. So. Um, been up for a few hours. Fabulous, but, uh, fabulous. We're, we're crossing paths. So full disclosure right off the bat, Darren is also a uh, Y Whale uh, slash YPO member. So uh, this is a, a fabulous conversation. I'm not going to let him off any hooks here, uh, but absolutely want to make sure that's disclosure. Darren, let, let's start off with, you know, where what was your first exposure into kind of, you know, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, Web3 um, tech? Yeah, so it was about five years ago, just to spend 20 seconds on before that as well. I'm a private equity guy. I'm not a tech guy at all. Spent 15 years in a as a partner in um, one of the largest uh, Australian-owned um, private equity firms um, and left uh, six years ago now to run a family office with my father. Uh, my dad's an insomniac, so he's up all night watching various news channels and reading papers, and he just came into the office one day saying, what's this bloody Bitcoin? To which I said, oh, I don't know, I've heard of it, but I've got no idea what it is. Um, and, and and from there, really, and just that one comment he made sort of put me down a rabbit hole um, and I spent a few months trying to look into it, understand what the hell a Bitcoin was, what the hell is a cold storage wallet, how do I buy it and trade it and, you know, do anything with it. And it was really from there that I, I, I took an interest. It's not sort of the main priority in my role as running a family office. But, you know, certainly the last six months, it's been about 80% of my time. Um, I, I sort of got relatively early on um, when the ICO craze sort of came out. I had some friends in Hong Kong who were more into it and more connected than me, and I, I told them I wanted to participate in some ICOs. And they said, oh, there's this one you should try to put in. Um, some money into and um, so there's one called WAPS mm-hmm. early on where I put 25 grand in and my dad put 25 grand in as part of Samba Investments and I really expected to lose it all and I got a call from my Hong Kong mate one night saying oh this thing's gonna do its ICO you should you should take a look um, you know just watch the screen and see what happens and so I had a look and I saw it come on I thought oh this is pretty good I'm up like you know 10 times my money straight away that's unbelievable <laughs> And then I like put out the calculator and realized I was a, a zero out and it was up a hun- literally a hundred times. And I called my mate and said, what, what the hell is going on? Like, is that, is that normal? And he said, I haven't even got my tokens issued yet. So, so I said, what do I do? He said, just sell them. Like, that's ridiculous. Sell them. So I literally, and there was hardly any liquidity. I, I did an all nighter, <laughs> my first one in a while and, and spent all night just literally selling them. And so from that thought, how easy is this? Thought I was a genius, of course. Um, no luck at all, um, and had I've, had I've literally just kept the money and done nothing else with it, I would have been better off for the next three years. But, of course, that's not what I did, and I went into all these other ICOs, and most of them are still illiquid and a total waste of time and worth zero. But out of that, there were two or three 
other ones that I participated in that I still um, haven't sold any tokens in. One is an Israeli project called Koti. One is a project um, that was called Haven. It's now called Synthetics, um, which is a reasonably decent sized sort of DeFi project out of Australia. And so just being lucky off the back of that initial wax investment, it gave me some float and gave me some margin for error in terms of making some early mistakes. Um, and as part of, I guess, having some some, some wins as well, um, uh, it allowed me to build a bit of a network in particular in Australia. Um, and a lot of what I do at the moment is with two or three other partners um, uh, who are also co-founders of the Polymos business that I'm sure we'll get That's, to. I mean, absolutely fabulous story. And it's so easy to, to, you know, get, you get excited in the bull markets and, and I'm wearing my bullish shirt today because the market is doing everything but that. Um, and, and, and the fact yeah. that you were able to go from, you know, really just a, what is the space and, and from a VC, VC perspective, it's really hard to, to kind of disconnect your brain from the traditional securities and everything else that we deal with and, and deal in this unsecured, um, space that, that, you know, anything can happen. I mean, they can retract tokens. They can do all sorts of things. There's, there's plenty of rug pulls. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so congrats on, you know, your first thousand X and you're right. You, you had, you walked away and, uh, it probably would have been a different story, but that's just the first, you know, dose of the addiction, uh, that, that you clearly have. Yeah. And so, you know, now as you've kind of, you know, grown this network and you're more involved in, um, and you've been around and you've, nurtured so many companies over the years, but now that you're kind of involved in web three, how's the difference? How, what's the feeling difference from, you know, kind of the, the old school VC work that you were doing compared to like the people that you work with? Yeah. Well, I was normally a, um, more a private equity guy than a, than a VC guy. So, um, and, and the company I used to work for, um, it was called champ equity. We were known to be a very hands-on manager and owner of businesses for, you know, for better or worse. Um, but every company that I've historically been involved in, in terms of the private equity portfolio that I've built with with my father at, at Sandbar Investments, um, you know, my father or, or more often um, myself are, are on the board, have weekly, if not you know, daily calls with our management teams that are involved in all decision making, and so I'm sort of used to being quite hands on and being involved strategically. So the now what I'm doing in crypto more than anything is sort of seed investing and then hanging on and holding for yield. We've got a, about 15, maybe it's somewhere between 15 and 20 sort of seed stage projects, quite a few of which have progressed. Most of them, we've not sold any original tokens other than you know maybe selling some tokens we've got from yield farming or whatever the staking uh, protocol is. But all of those projects, we do know the founders and we're not having weekly calls, but you know, we have dialogue where we do understand at a relatively high level the roadmap and, and what's going on. So I'm trying to, I guess, supply, um, you know, some private equity principles or some principles of, you know, no project is going to be any good if the management team's rubbish. And so having communication with the management team and not just throwing, you know, darts at a board and not just going to projects that I've heard are good but I've got no idea who the management team are. Um, or I've got no idea about them, and, and trying to be a little bit specific um, and forming a view on management before I make a decision as to whether I want to invest even at a seed stage has been what's worked for us so far. Our strike rate's been um, pretty good, but to be fair, that's been in a very hot market, um, even though there's some wobbles the last few months. So, again, I'm not fooling myself that I'm a genius, and I think most people that are investing in seed stage projects are all doing pretty well at the moment. 
Um, but, you know, I'm trying to have, a, a, I guess, a philosophy of, of um, keeping the bar high, um, notwithstanding deal flow is very good and I think it's going to improve um, based on, in particular, the Polymos investment and the deal flow that will come off the back of being a, a, a new you know, place. Um, and before we get into to, to that one, I want to just touch on one more point that you said, and it's uh, uh, something that really is so far escaping Web3. Um, and you're talking about the teams and the maturity and investing. And, and, you know, one of the oldest sayings is you invest in the team, you invest in the founder, you invest in, in, in kind of their, their work ethic and a little bit less on, on what they're currently doing. Cause if they're, if it's a good team, they're, they're going to pivot. They're going to pivot multiple times and, and they're going to take feedback. <clears throat> and, and unfortunately in web three spaces, as we can see, people are throwing way more, way too much money at projects that have absolutely no ability um, or even the thought of the ability mm-hmm. to execute on, on the roadmaps. And we're seeing now that the destruction of Ohm and, and so many of those forks um, from the fact that these, you know, while they're geniuses in their own right to, to do what they did, uh, they, they did not have the team or the foundation built to be able to back up what they launched and, and did because they just jumped too early. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the biggest thing I struggle with, I'm not the world's most numerate person, but, you know, in private equity, you do financial models and you spend a lot of time understanding the financials of a, of a project. And obviously the businesses that we're looking at are far more established. But, you know, I, I don't know how many discussions I've had with sort of founders and early stage projects, but not once have we had any discussion, whatever, about the numbers, even the revenue, let alone the profitability. So there's still a massive disconnect. And I think it speaks to the heat of the market and the fact that we are in a bubble that, so many of these projects are so far away from generating revenue, let alone generating you know, profitability, and it's not even something most people focus on, uh, and it should be, to be honest. And certainly the earlier you go into a project, um, the harder it is to obviously make assessments as to how good or bad this thing can be. But, um, you know, I've got a, an analyst at Sandbar, and he keeps hassling me and saying, well, you know, where's the model for this? And I'm like, well, there is no model. Management yeah. team don't even model. And he says, you know, well, this thing's worth like $8 billion in market cap. How can they not have a financial model? And it's, you know, it's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's for worse, not for better or worse. But, but you know, that's, I'm sure that's how it was in, in, in the tech boom. And I'm sure that's why there's going to be a massive reckoning at some point and a lot of companies with no prospects for, for genuine um, profit growth. Uh, that are raising money today will will struggle. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's clear that you know I, I hate using the word bubble because uh, I'm not that smart to be able to predict it. But there's there's clearly some imbalance in the force. Uh, there there is too much money. There's not enough talent. There's not enough coders. Um, you know, we're, we're still so early, and I think that that's that's kind of you know the last point I want to make and, and really ask you is. You know, on that scale, when, when people talk about kind of like 92 through 99 for, for web one, um, you know, where do you, where do you feel we are closer to kind of actually mainstream adoption of, of just the majority of, of the world saying like, yeah, I, 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 I'm willing to log in. I'm willing to, to try web three. It's a good question. And I think from an investment perspective, it's harder to, no, I mean, there's clearly, there's just so much heat in the market and there's still so little institutional investment. So I think that's what's the, the massive, um, there's so much more demand than supply um, in terms of just money itself. But in terms of your question about crypto adoption, I think it's still a while away. I mean, it's just at the moment, crypto is still so unintuitive. 
as we've seen just on, you know, minting crystal whales, which I still haven't worked out how the bloody hell to do. Um, there's so many things in crypto that are just not that easy. And I'm sure, again, I didn't really invest and I was a bit too early in my career to really remember sort of the tech boom and, and to have participated in that. And I think it was harder to participate in that unless you had, you know, an account with Goldman and Morgan Stanley and whoever else. Um, but I think, I think surely it will be the fact, the case that crypto usability and user friendliness will, will just become more and more, um, mainstream and, and understandable to the average person. And I think that's currently one of the biggest barriers. I also think crypto is so much more universal and it might well be the case that it's, you know, the third world or emerging companies that take up adoption rates of, you know, particularly those that are more mobile centric, um, which is the case in even Africa and South America and, and parts of Asia. Um, so it might not be the case that it's the first world countries that are leading the charge in terms of uh, mainstream crypto usage, but it's, you know, it's certainly years away, not months away, um, but it doesn't feel like it's decades away either. I, yeah, no, listen, really if we had that, if we had that crystal ball, we, we would uh, certainly have <laughs> be doing a lot better on, on some days. But but the reality is, I, I think it's clear it's coming. Um, it's no longer an if, it's just a matter of when and, and what it's going to look like. So with that being said, and, and as someone who is yeah. uh, very involved in the formation of, of some of these uh, these companies and, and really allowing them the 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 ability to work on what they're good at and, and pulling back from the fundraising thing, which, you know, I'm terrible at and a number of other people are horrible at. Um, let's talk about uh, Plurmos and, you know, kind of what where, where we're yeah. at today and, and what is it and, and, and when can we see it? Okay, so if I take a step back and um, just explain the thematic, um, so Play to Earn Gaming I think is going to be a massive new development in crypto if it's not already. So just to explain what that means. At the moment, the gaming industry globally is absolutely enormous. I think it's bigger than film and free-to-air TV combined. And at the moment, if you think about Fortnite or World of Warcraft or some of the main games that predominantly uh, are played by sort of 20 to 40-year-old males, um, people are spending tens of thousands of dollars for a blue armor suit or a yellow shield or a whatever in-game asset that has no intrinsic value, and if um, Fortnite shut down tomorrow, there's nothing you could do with that asset, and there's no concept of tradability or value of that asset other than what someone chooses to pay for it. What the blockchain allows in gaming, which I think is probably stating the obvious, is um, a, a token economy within a game where you can cash out, and if you have that blue armor in a game that's blockchain-based, you can actually sell it, not just for the in-game token, but obviously you can convert that back to Filipino pesos or Australian dollars or US dollars or ETH or whatever else. And so there's going to be a massive revolution in the gaming industry, which, again, is, is in the tens of billions um, already, where um, if there are games that come out that are as uh, enjoyable and interesting to play as a Fortnite and a World of Warcraft, but you can actually make money as part of playing that game, it's a no-brainer that gamers are going to gravitate to those new sorts of games. And so there is going to be an enormous number of new games from the massive global game developers as well as sort of Indian and, and smaller developers where games today, if you're coming up with a new one, you're going to just make it blockchain-based because you can create the tokenomics and you can create the ability for people to make money um, from the games that they're actually playing. 
as part of that. And, and the leader, the, the sort of first movement that is a game called Axie Infinity, it was developed by some guys in Vietnam, it's generating, you know, tens of millions of dollars of in-game economics a week. Um, and I think it's predominantly the Philippines, but people all around the world are playing this game and it ha- you know, it's got millions of users. And my, my stats are out of date, but, you know, as of a few weeks ago, I think there was like $180 million of revenue generated in the space of like a fortnight just to people playing that game. It's come down a little bit in the last few weeks, but it's the numbers are massive. It's not even a particularly good game. <laughs> um, it's not that challenging. Um, the graphics are okay, but it's got a fantastic first mover advantage and they've executed really, really well. Um, separately, and I know there was a podcast recently with the, um, you know, one of the guys from Yield Guild Games. They are the first mover in creating a guild. And what that is is a basically an organisation which on the one side has a balance sheet of assets uh, that are required to play a particular game and on the other side it recruits people that they call scholars which are people that typically can't otherwise afford to own the assets they need to play the game or to progress in the game and it basically matches them up in, in return for revenue sharing and it allows someone from say the Philippines to um, that can't afford to buy three axes which is what is required to actually play um, Axie Infinity, the Yield Guild game says, well, we'll give you the three axes, we'll loan them to you in return for 50% of the revenues or 30% of the revenues that you earn, you give back to us. And the blockchain facilitates that in a way that means that the actual NFT assets that are lent out can never be stolen or nothing can happen to them. They're always still owned by um, Yield Guild games. And it creates a market economy and the games love it because it assists, the guilds assist the games with bringing a community and bringing loyalty and allowing increased um, playership of the specific game. So YGG and Axie have really created a, a first mover advantage and done done an excellent job. And there are, there's lots of other guilds out there. There's Merit Circle, just raised $100 million plus. Um, there's an Aussie, uh, another guild called Perion, which I think lists um, in the next couple of days. Um, and... What we've gone and done, myself and four other co-founders have created a guild, which we've called Polymos. Um, and we, yeah, again, we're not the first mover, but we think we've got some really interesting differentiators that will hopefully position us as being one of the top um, couple of, of uh, guilds um, to really dominate the, the, the um, play-to-earn space in the next few years. Yeah. So if I just... Spend a few minutes on the differentiators. Yeah, so, that's okay. I want to take I want to take a half second um, real quick, and 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 for people who have never played Axes and and haven't watched the the YGG interview, um, describe a little bit about like the, basically the people that are generally playing this, and we hear a lot about play to live. So you've heard for for decades about you know um, uh, people in third world countries like you just grinding in games, essentially just, just, you know, sitting mm-hmm. around in world of Warcraft, like doing whatever they can to get a, a piece of gold. And then they go sell it on the internet and everything else. And, and what Axies and YGG has done is kind of, again, transition that to blockchain and make it go much faster. The fact that they're able to do it that much faster, that much quicker is you now have uh, uh, the ability for people that live in third world countries and can utilize this game on, on, you know, a crappy little, uh, you know, $50 Android device, um, which is generally, you know, again, uses cellular. Most of these, most of the people that are using this don't have full internet or, or big computers with GPUs and everything else. So, so it's created an economy, especially in the, the global pandemic world of people that can 
earn money at home to pay for things that they actually need. And gamers from, from, you know, that are, that have more fortunate or, or want to buy these can purchase them very quickly in marketplaces and the transactions of the blockchain and smart contracts create just makes that so much more fluid. So, um, those, are, I just want to make those clarifying points, but now absolutely. Yes. Let's hit on the differences between, um, you know, axes, which has been around for years, uh, and, and some of the new ones that are coming up. Yeah, so just to add to that point, Jay, and again, their numbers, I'm not sure what they are as of today, but as of a couple of weeks ago, I think the average player playing Axie full-time um, with the support of a guild earns three to $400 US a month. So, you know, it's a lot, but it's not a lot for those, I guess, in the in the Western world. But that's, you know, that is above average um, income for a blue-collar job oh, yeah. in the Philippines. So there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in the Philippines, in Vietnam, in places in Africa that are literally quitting their jobs and becoming full-time gamers with the support of guilds um, and, and earning a better income um, in arguably better conditions than whatever their previous job was. And I think that's a revolution to come. You know, there's different arguments about is that good or bad for the world and for those people just sitting inside playing a game all day, but that's their choice. Yeah, and I, I, um, I like to, I like to make some statements every now and then on, on the podcast because we can. I, I think it's a fabulous thing. I don't think there's anything negative at all. Uh, as you said, it's completely optional. And, and more than that, it's, it's, it's allowing people to start to utilize their brain and their thought process and technology. So the thought that somebody is, is taking a second and learning how to use blockchain using a game is, is a fabulous idea because we, we heard from Gabby and, yep. and, and, and whatnot is that a majority of, of these people are then graduating. They're understanding economics. They're understanding how to buy their own axes, which are thousands of dollars. So it may take them months to be able to earn them, but then they're starting their own, you know, they're, they're bringing people underneath them or they're leaving axes all together and moving to the DeFi world because now they understand tokenomics and they understand crypto. And so I, I, I absolutely think that, that play to earn, play to live, uh, is a fabulous first step uh, for in a third world country towards economic independence. I, I think that's right. I think um, I'm slightly dreading um, family friends in Australia coming and screaming at me because their you know ten year old kids are not going to school <laughs> and they're you know spending the whole time in front of a computer screen trying to earn money um, <laughs> when they should be outside kicking a football. But that's a that's a different argument and certainly yeah. not our target market. Um, it, so if I just Hopefully, I've described in a way that makes sense what a, I guess, what a guild is. If I speak to some of the things that we're trying to differentiate ourselves to a YGG and to the other um, players out there that we've got huge respect for, um, the first one is in terms of our shareholder base. So, of the five founders, um, two of them, of two of them, one of them is the major shareholder, and the other one is the CEO of a company called Asian Logic. Asian Logic is the third biggest online casino company in the world. They've got five thousand plus employees millions of people that play um, online uh, casino games. And uh, we're not actually uh, partnering with them for the gambling side of things necessarily, um, but there's a few real benefits they bring as a major shareholder into Polymos. The first one is just from their employees. So that their 5,000 employees are all based in um, you know, third world countries, Philippines, Vietnam, um, some in South America, some in, some in Africa. And Asian Logic are um, allowing their existing employees to become guild members of Polymos and to use their work PCs in their overtime to play the games that we're supporting. Uh, the main game that we will 
um, be supporting initially is a game called Alluvium. It hasn't uh, started yet. It's it's meant to come out in February or March of this year, and it's going to be the first sort of AAA-rated game, and there's a huge amount of buzz and excitement about the potential huge, of that. Huge amount. So, and because it's, it's, it's not been released, and I'm assuming that you guys have seen a little bit behind the curtain, um, what, what, what can you say about Olivia? Because I know that they not only do they have the game side of it, but they're also selling land. They, there's a land sale coming up. So the founder, Kieran, is, is an advisor to Polymos. Um, he's doing an AMA with the Polymos guys tomorrow, if anyone's interested in, in joining the Discord for... Um, for Polymos, but um, it, it, it's basically a, an auto battler game where um, it's it's a really deep, broad metaverse that they've created, uh, where you have an avatar and you you run around this world, um, and you have to find alluvials, which is the equivalent of mining different sort of minerals. That if you um, get those minerals, you get certain attributes that assist you to then go and fight um, animals. Um, uh, in in the digital world, and the more animals that you basically conquer, uh, the more strengths and attributes you get, um, and and the more coins that you earn as part of creating an economy. And the the the, bet, the more easy you can progress to further stages or further worlds within the Alluvium ecosystem. They've spent like tens and tens of millions of dollars on game development, and have recruited some of the world's best game developers and software engineers and designers. So the quality of the graphics and the experience, I think, will be just amazing. Um, and we've got a really good relationship with with Kieran and with the team. There are a bunch of three, actually, Aussie guys that live in Sydney that are the main owners of that um, that game. And, um, you know, we, we think we'll be as well positioned as, as any guild or anyone to um, – monetize and to be successful in that game. And they're really supportive of Polymos because they know that we're going to bring a great community across, including Asian Logic's workforce who are able to use their PCs to play the game initially. So a real differentiator is um, Alluvium won't have a mobile-friendly uh, version of the game for another year or so. Um, so the fact that we will have, um, you know, up to thousands of people that can use an existing work PC uh, to play the game brings a, a community uh, straight away into the game much quicker than some of the other guilds or other people might be able to um, realise, uh, noting that a lot of the other guilds, most of their community have a mobile phone but don't necessarily have a computer. So, so when you're when – you're, oh, and, I, and yeah. I, I don't mean to stop, you know, but I want to focus on a few things there. So how different is this type of investment that you're making? The game hasn't been released the technology is is bleeding edge brand new and you know the 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 numbers around it the dollar figures around this are are like monopoly money i mean it's insane how much how much capital is flowing into this how much talent is flowing into this i mean how how do you guys value um you know the opportunity here and and is there even anything else on your radar besides you know a, one of the largest triple A or the first triple A blockchain game coming out. Yeah, so we've we've committed to five different games already. Um, another one we're really really excited about is called yeah. Monkey Ball. That's an Israeli um, project that'll be the equivalent of three on three street soccer, um, where the the players are actually monkeys that have different attributes. So we Polymos will own like a thousand. Um, monkeys based on a seed stage investment that we made and those monkeys we can breed them um, and hopefully they can have a monkey logo there's a game called fancy birds that's a much simpler 
uh, less complex game, but in a sense is probably going to be more addictive where we own, I think it's 80 Polymos branded birds. And it's, uh, it's one of those games that, um, you literally press the space bar and the bird goes up. And if you don't, it goes down and you've got to just go as far <laughs> down, um, the path without touching anything. So much simpler, but more addictive, so, you know, something that people can just play on the train on their phone without needing to concentrate too much, but also with a tokenomic model where you can actually earn money for playing that game. Uh, there's a game called Legends of Inari, um, and, uh, um, uh, and another game called Guardians of the Galaxy that we've also supported as well. So um, we, we are trying to um, diversify, but not in a way that we're so broad that we can't actually focus and pay attention and become leaders in each of the games that we're choosing to sponsor. Uh, we've got a head of Guild who's got a, we've got a funnel of 150 plus games that we're sort of in various stages of communications with and working out if we want to commit to them and if so, how much. Um, and so the, the funnel and the, the, the volume of games is almost overwhelming and no guild is going to be able to provide access to every single game. Um, but, you know, we, so we've got a relatively high bar and we want to play to our strengths. Um, we're not all in on Alluvium, but we certainly are making a big bet on Alluvium in particular in wanting to absolutely be what YGG is to Axie. Uh, we want Polymos to be to Alluvium is, I guess, the analogy. But if Alluvium were to be delayed by six months or not to be as great as people hope, uh, we do have other games in our uh, inventory that we're working on, um, uh, playing and, and, and forming deep relationships with the management team. So whereas um, across the details of the game um, as well as possible. One thing, um, just another differentiator, if I can just get back to sort of I think what makes us different, is we're coming up with sort of Polymos University where we want to provide really high-quality content um, to our guild members. And um, the way we're structuring things, as a guild member, you sort of start at the bottom, there's five or six different tiers of membership. And each tier you get a different NFT from Polymos. And the higher up the tier you go, the more um, educational content and strategy and uh, development opportunity you get and more um, the quality of the NFTs that you get access to increases over time. Um, so we really want to um, have super high quality um, video and podcast and, and, and different type of, of content. Um, the other real differentiator that we haven't seen any guilds do at the moment, um, but we think could, could be really game changing, and some of the VCs that have invested in us are super excited about this, is at the moment the way most of the guilds are set up is on the one side you have the members called scholars typically, who are the players, and on the other side, you have a balance sheet where um, a YGG has to own all these axes or whatever it is, the in-game NFT that they're playing that they can lend out. We're going to create a marketplace which will allow whales and investors um, to actually participate and, and to monetize their NFTs in a different way that doesn't exist at the moment. So I, for example, uh, invested in a whole lot of monkeys outside of Polymos and own some other in-game assets um, in some things that maybe we'll get onto in a second, where I don't have the time or the inclination to actually use these NFT assets. I'm just banking on them going up over time. But we're creating a marketplace and a platform that will allow me or anyone else that owns lots of NFTs that isn't going to actually use them day to day to put them on our website and allow them to be lent out or sold or used as collateral in some way where they can be monetized in a much more useful way um, whilst they still contain ownership, but 
uh, they'll benefit in revenue sharing from people actually using that particular NFT, whether it's training them up or playing it in a soccer game or, you know, using it in Alluvium or whatever else. And so the marketplace, I think, um, achieves a few benefits. A, it gives us more scale. B, it means we probably don't have to invest as much in our own balance sheet to have the in-game assets there and others can provide them. Um, and, yeah, well, they're probably the main two things. Yeah, I and I, I think that you're also, you know, you've hit on a few points here that, that really people need to understand. And you're talking about NFTs. So as, well, as much as we're talking about in-game items, characters, all that other stuff, it all comes back to these are these are utility NFTs that have value yeah. outside of the artwork. And, you know, we saw cl- very clearly in 2021 that there's just the boom of profile picture NFTs and, and just these, you know, uh, a lot of artwork. And, and, uh, I don't understand it. I've never been an artwork guy or traditional or digital. Um, but I, I think you're going to see a big shift in a lot of where the dollars have been going to when suddenly you have, no, no, just owning this NFT and either staking it or lending it or whatever the protocol ends up saying will, will earn you actual, you know, ROI. Um, yeah. that's going to be a real difference of what people are going to look at when they're investing in, in NFTs. Um, and, and, you know, it's all, as you said, there's 150 of these things coming out and they're not here yet. So uh, that's going to be a very yeah, big disruption to this market. If anyone's uh, kind of a little heavy. And I also think if you look at the current NFT, so Bored Apes and there's a you know, fluff world, which is maybe we'll get onto it. Something I'm quite excited about. There's a lot of sort of NFTs at the moment that have no intrinsic value, but those NFTs are then going to become play-to-earn games and there's going to be increasing monetized opportunities as well. So it's sort of coming from both ends as to um, yeah, how to um, uh, leverage or make more um, – get more value from the ownership of a specific Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a dynamic change. <clears throat> you know, uh, my, my kid has spent mm-hmm. thousands of dollars on on entirely useless skins uh, across various games from Roblox to Fortnite to whatever the case is. And, oh, yeah, my God, and, and, you know, there's there's just nothing you can do except just, like, accept, accept your fate and, and you know, uh, for any parent out there, you know, it's just like, fine, whatever for, for 10 bucks. I don't have to hear about, hear about this yeah. thing for the rest of the weekend. Good. Um, but, but you know, as soon as they stop playing those games, it's, it's just done. Like there's nothing left to do there. Absolutely. Uh, there's no, there's no resale value. There's no ROI. There's, there's nothing they could do. Um, and, and this is going to be a real dynamic change. And, and there's a lot of people that absolutely disagree with this, absolutely hate it. And, and you're seeing just a ton of, of FUD, uh, news around like how horrible this is. And that's a great opinion. I, we hear that every single day about Bitcoin and the same as, same as Bitcoin yeah. doesn't care, you know, NFTs and, and blockchain games really aren't going to care. There is, there are, um, billions of people on this planet. And the thought that you can take someone in a third world country and allow them to provide a service directly to directly with with little to no middleman involved yeah. um, that 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 can enrich their lives and teach them you know actual valuable skills, um, I, I think is a, something to be applauded in this world um, because we need more of that. Look, I, I, I completely agree. We um, one of the other things that we've done in our tokenomic model is one percent of all our revenues. Are going to go into a, basically a charity vault. So we're setting up a foundation where we want a 1% of all the revenues are going to go specifically to the communities uh, where our uh, majority of guild members come from. So the way I'm envisioning that is that literally will be allowing people to buy air conditioners and fridges and microwaves 
um, and you know community-based um, items that can assist in third world countries from the benefits of the revenues. So we are trying to create a bit of a virtuous cycle. We're not going to save the world by that one percent, but you know, I, I think it hopefully can have some some positive impact. Um, well, as a children, you know, a part of it is, uh, you know, we're doing this to make money. To be fair, but you know, we do want to be a bit altruistic, and if we can assist people get out of a poverty cycle or own an electronic good that they've never had before or get access to power they've never had before, then well, there's that's also a great thing. you know there's a few things, and I want to talk about tokenomics here in a second because you guys have a lot a lot around that as well, trying to manage hundreds of thousands of people and potentially millions around the globe doing this. So there's, there's a, a very big scale to this. Um, but, but again, I just, I just continue coming back to, there's no one forcing anyone to play blockchain games. This is, there's, this is, this is uh, mm-hmm. same as anything else. People are choosing to do these. And the fact that it's, it's a growing and, and when I say growing, meaning I, there's probably more money. I'm, Totally guessing. Nobody quote me on this, um, but having looked at the numbers and Darren, I'm sure you can you can come up with them. The the amount of money going into blockchain gaming is, is probably going to be pretty close to equal to what's been going into AAA games over the last 12 to 18 months. It, yeah, it's massive. Yeah, and and it's just yeah. going to increase. And, and and the and so tokens. Let's let's talk about how you're going to deal, how you're going to manage um, all these people around. Around the globe, time zones are are gone. They're just those are those are uh, you know un yeah. un, uh, un unfettered and uh, payments. You know when you're dealing with potentially hundreds of different currencies, you have your own. To- you guys are going to have your own token, correct? We will have our own token, which will be PLMS. We're likely we're working on sort of doing a an IDO um, in probably March or April of this year. We've just closed a sort of a, a seed round where we've had Delphi, QCP framework, IS, IOSG, and some, you know, some other relatively well-known. <laughs> I, did, uh, I did not hear my name on that list. I, was clearly, that, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> match those, uh, those names yet. So good for you. That's fabulous. Um, but we, and, and, and we are working on, um, the, so the founder of Tokamak is an investor and um, SushiSwap. And so we are thinking through the best way to, achieve an IDO. Um, I did, um, I am working out if there's some way that if there are interested YPO whale um, investors that we can sort of provide some sort of benefit or whitelist and I'll come back to you on that if there's, if there's interest. But um, I think, I think we'll have a listing in, in the next couple of months. The way we've set up the tokenomics, um, a bit less than 20% is owned by the founders and the management team, including the five co-founders of which I'm one. Um, about 30% of the tokenomics are for uh, a staking model, and we're hoping we're working on having um, staking uh, possible other than for the early stage investors. So, for investors into the IDO and beyond, um, can can immediately benefit from a staking mechanism that we'll we'll be putting in place. There's about I think it's I'll get the number slightly wrong, but 12 or 13% of the tokens are allocated specifically for us to give to people that play the games that we choose to support in addition to the tokens they'll earn in playing that game. So as an example, in Alluvium or in Monkey Ball or, um, you know, Legends of Inari, if you're a guild member of Polymos, you can earn Polymos tokens as well as the tokens of that game for playing that game as beha- on behalf of us. So we think that's quite interesting and from our perspective means why would you play for another guild if you can earn Polymos tokens as well as the tokens you're earning 
for playing that game. So it's an additional incentive from our perspective for the games to want to work with us, but also for our guild members to want to be playing as part of our guild. We think there will be guild members that will be Polymos and YGG and Merit Circle and they'll pick and choose. Um, but that's in our tokenomics. And hey, listen, there, there, there's, uh, there's clearly uh, people sitting in cars right now with Uber, Lyft, and like two or three other apps. So it, it's not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's uh, fine. It's not yeah, even a technical market. Um, uh, Ethereum, um, Solana, where, where are you guys uh, building this? We'll probably be, well, the games themselves, so Monkey Ball's on Solana. Most of the other games are Ethereum. Um, we we will be Ethereum. We'll base our own Polymos yeah. token on Ethereum, um, but that won't um, impede us from being able to support games that aren't on yeah. the Ethereum blockchain. And we're working on a few sort of cross-chain um tech investments in the background to just make sure that that's completely frictionless. Um, and then there, effectively the remainder of the tokens will go um, to uh, the in-game economics and supporting the actual Polymos uh, model and incentivizing people to join our guild from staking, uh, from actually playing the specific games um, and to make sure that, you know, once the staking finishes, we have a circular economy um, that continues to be successful and profitable. Um, sorry, I did also mention, I, I forgot to mention about 10% of the tokens are also allocated for us to be able to invest into new games. So as part of the games that we like, we don't have to have made an investment, but um, the ones that we like and identify early, we will uh, seek to be owning NFTs and potentially in-game tokens and, and making in investments to back the games that we want our guild members to play or that we think our government will want it, to play. Any type of governance uh, with these tokens, uh, any DAO-like features? It, it will be. So we, we, at the moment, it's um, it's not a DAO, but the intent would be that we'd, we'd become a DAO down the track. Uh, it may or may not be a full DAO at the time that we do an offering. I suspect it won't be, and we'll probably take a few more months to get a few things into place. Um, and we're using sort of Greek mythology and, and words so that the equivalent of a board is called the Archon. Um, and that's, you know, the members of that are voted in quarterly um, as, as a DAO, um, you know, as a lot of the DAOs work. So uh, a lot of what we've done, we've based on Alluvium, having a lot of input from the Alluvium guys. Our staking model will likely be done similar to how Alluvium works. Uh, the concept of governance and, and uh, voting is, is, based, is similar to the way they've done it. I, I neglected to mention of, of our CEO, um, and our COO are both um, members of the Alluvium um, Council that get voted in every every quarter. So um, we, we, we've got really deep relationships with them in particular. They've been really valuable in helping us think about things and to test our theses. Um, and it's, I think it's been a real win-win um, between the Alluvium yeah, guys if, and if ourselves. If anyone ever questions how early we are into Web3, I, I just want to point out you have some of the most talented VC and private equity guys in the world that are still trying to figure out how in the world to make this work. I mean, the, it is, it yeah. is, there is the, the rules. I mean, in a lot of this, we're waiting for regulation. Like for, for those of us professional investors, um, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, no regulation, decentralize everything. We need to understand the rules of which to play. I mean, it's very hard to form a DAO. Um, you know, especially here in the United States, like the last thing you want to do is accidentally create a security, which is super easy to do. And then, you know, the whole thing comes crashing down. So the fact that, you guys are, are again, have, have 
decades of experience uh, amongst you guys doing this. Um, and you're still trying to go like, well, I, I think it's going to work like this. It just shows how early and how much work and how much energy uh, is required in this space right now, because there's, there's no, there's no one to copy off. There's no one to say, well, this is best practice. You're building the best practice right now. No, well, I, I think that's right. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're based in Singapore at the moment. Um, notwithstanding most of the founders are Australian. Uh, and we, um, I think Singaporean law is probably more, certainly more forward than Australia and the U S um, and, and there is precedent of other companies based in Singapore becoming a DAO. We're very conscious of um, our tax obligations in various countries and making sure that, you know, we are doing things by the book, but the book yeah. is still being written. So there is, I think, some regulatory risk. I think the reality is with, you know, a game, um, you know, there's not massive regulations on the gaming industry per se, other than China having um, rules on how often you can play certain games and things like that. China's not a particularly major target market of ours. It's best to, it's um, best to keep them away so, from everything right now. Well, I think that's probably right. Um, but we, you know, the, the, the rules are still being written, as I said, um, and so we want to play by the existing rules. And, um, you know, we're doing everything right. We've, we're over-investing, I think, in management, in technology, in cyber security in particular, because, the, you know, if things are going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong because we've stuffed up tech and we get hacked or there's some cyber breach or something like that. Uh, we've got a new CTO. Um, we'll be announcing um, who that is in a few weeks, who's like an absolute gun, and we're super excited um, about, you know, the, the seniority and the quality of th that person joining our team. Our CEO, Sasha, who's a, a, a German guy who literally, at best, he's sleeping two hours a day at the moment. He's an incredibly hard worker. He's doing just a phenomenal job in managing an international team. So, you know, we're really trying to do this, um, you know, we're, we're not a group of 18-year-olds with a good idea and just trying to make it happen and, and learning as we go. We're sort of experienced non-crypto executives that have come together and say, here's a great opportunity. How do we monetize it? How do we bring the best people in, work with the best sort of third parties in technology um, and, and various other ways? And how do we uh, play the long game to really build what we hope will be, you know, one of the leading guilds yeah, going and, forward. And, and to be clear, and I always want to point out, I want to thank all of the 19-year-olds the, the who blazed the trail because their risk tolerance was, was like, there is no risk tolerance. They just were doing something cool and they built it yeah. by themselves. And so we, we thank Valak and all these, these, these trailblazers for what they built. Um, and, and now that we're starting to see a, the earliest stages of stabilization, um, you're starting to see the professionals show up and, and we show, and, and, you know, teams like yours, Darren, yeah. are, are, you know, you're focusing on management, you're focused on security and you're, you're focusing on protocols, which, which again, not to knock any of the early adopters in this, um, just don't exist. And that's why we're seeing so many major projects fail is because it's not about raising money. It's not about user adoption. It's about the fact that they just truly don't understand how to scale a business when you're growing 10, 20, 30 X, sometimes a month. Um, it's just too, yeah. it's not sustainable. I mean, yeah. And that's not to say we won't make mistakes, but, um, <laughs> we've made mistakes <laughs> before. So if we're smart enough, at least to learn from our past mistakes, we might make fewer than our, some of our competitors who are, uh, may not have the same level of business and, uh, career experience. So, so, but, so before we kind yeah. of, uh, jump onto the next section, I just have to ask you, has your dad who in any way, like, have you been able to like go to him and say, by the way, remember when you told me like video games were a waste of time? Like, have you been able to like throw this out at him at, at all in any way? 
the, the, the irony is I'm not a gamer at all. I grew up playing Australian rules football and had a, you know, a ball in my hand and was out in the garden as much as possible. I don't own an Xbox. You know, I think we, I, I had an Atari and then Nintendo, and that was about the last time I played a game. So I'm not one of those guys that's an OG and, you know, most of the time our team talks about a new game. I've never <laughs> heard of it. And I wouldn't know how to play it for the life of me. So I'm probably not the, the stereotype. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, it was his idea to say, what the hell is a Bitcoin? <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, I'm not sure if you listen to his definition of what Bitcoin is today. It would still make um, a whole lot of sense, but he absolutely loves it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I keep, he and I are very close. I keep him very informed in all of the developments in crypto and, and what we're doing in Polymos and our seed investments. Um, and he, he's taken a real interest in it. I mean, he's not a, again, I'm not a tech guy either. Um, but certainly for you know a 72-year-old guy, he's much more up to speed on the crypto industry than the average 72-year-old out there. And he, he understands um, that it is the way of the future and, and, you know, he wouldn't know which bets, I think, to make. Um, and he's not spending as much, anywhere near as much time as I am in, in the sector, but he's fully supportive of the decisions that I'm making. And, um, you know, a lot of the meetings that I have, he comes along and he's, you know, asks great questions and, you know, he's very supportive. Which Web3 really great. is, you know, for, for anyone listening that's trying to understand, you know, the, the differentiation between Web1, Web2 and Web3, you know, Web1 was was just this entirely different, you know, way of life. You're now spending four to five hours in front of the computer. And, and Web2 was mm-hmm. an evolution. It was ta- It was kind of moving that towards mobile and a few other things that defined it. Web3 has not yet been defined. And, and the differences uh, that, that are starting to show up in, in currencies, virtual and augmented reality. Um, and so I, I applaud you and your, your, your father for just immersing yourselves in this because we deal with new people every day. Every day I meet new people that are like, I want to understand Web3. And the only way you can do it is just by diving in and spending the time because the, some of these concepts don't make sense unless you use them, you understand them. And so, you know, it's, it's so cool to see the evolution of traditional finance guys really going and go, no, no, no. You know, how do you, how do you even tell some of your, your trad five friends, what you, what you're working on now? Do they, do they just gloss over? Well, you know, they used to gloss over now they've all got massive FOMO. So, um, <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm much more popular than I used to be with uh, with a lot of my friends saying, oh, I want to be in this game. And they've heard of, you know, done okay on some seed stage investments and they all want to be in. And I sort of have to say, well, look, the allocations are smaller than I'd want, so I don't really want to share them. But, you know, there's there's an early coin in Israeli one that I, I, I got a few friends into um, and nothing happened for a few years. And then all of a sudden it starts to pay a monthly dividend that's about the, roughly the same as what we all invested in the first place. And so... You know, they're getting a monthly distribution payment. And for me, it's, you know, it's kind of a pain in the ass to work out how to split it out and calculate the dividend each month and send it through. And all they do is just get it and, you know, <laughs> so love it. popular guy. Um, and it, it's, a, you know, I don't, you know, there's dangers with working with friends, but it's kind of fun if you can make some money with your friends too. So some of my mates are now, um, uh, I, I gave them a tiny allocation, um, I guess, into the, the seed round of um, the, the round we just raised in Polymos and, you know, there's risk associated with that, but it's uh, the amount they invested for all of them is an amount that if they did lose it all for whatever reason, it, you know, it sort of wouldn't matter. Uh, but hopefully it can turn out to be a great investment for them and I can bring them on the journey and help them, um, you know, understand 
crypto a bit better and 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 benefit from it in the same way as you know a few years ago there have been quite a few people that helped me along the journey and took the time um to help me ask my dumb questions and to explain things or to give me access to things and uh, i do think it is much more a sharing economy in the same way as running a family office is much more collaborative and i've got a, a great network of other family offices where we share deals with uh, which wasn't the case in in private equity and venture capital which is a bit more i want to do all of a deal and so it's much more competitive. It's much more fun working in industries that are more collaborative and when you can share things Web3 around. Web3 is absolutely being defined by just openness. I mean, it, it literally, I, I have people that yeah. like, oh, yeah, here's, here's, here's that relationship I use. I know that you're going to be doing something similar. No, no problem here. Or, hey, I, we already wrote the code. Here's, here's the source code. Just go ahead and, and you can fork it over yourselves. I mean, it is, the space is so big. It's so wide open. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's no need to 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 suppress or push down or, or try to dominate um because we we have enough fud and and nonsense that we deal with from the rest of the world that you know we're still trying to prove um we're here and we're here to stay and i think that when you're talking to people like like yourself and a lot of the people we do on this podcast web3 is it's not a matter of if it's just when is it going to hit that mainstream adoption and i i can absolutely see the vision that you guys have built out on on uh uh, Polymos and uh, Polymos. I continually, uh, will struggle with that name for a minute. Um, but, but absolutely love it. So pivoting to, uh, you know, the fact that you're seeing so many deals and so many cool things in, in and around the web three space. Uh, what else is on your mind? What else are, is on your radar? So the, probably two other things that are, I'm quite excited about. Um, one is a new fund. Uh, that I, I know you, I think you've just done a podcast with and might be doing a fireside chat. There's a, a new fund um, called the Max Stealth um, Outline. We record fund. that next week. We record that uh, one Max next Delph. week. Okay, so without stealing their thunder, um, it's basically uh, a fund that will invest, co-invest in the pre-seed and seed stage um, rounds of uh, all of the investments that uh, go through Outliers incubator program um, in London. So um, that fund will invest in sort of 150 to 200 uh, deals. So almost taking an index approach initially and then co-investing. But the amazing, exciting thing is Outlier's process is 5,000 different companies apply every year to be part of this incubator. And they select the best sort of 180 or so each year. So there's a, you know the top 3% of deals um, funneled by a fantastic, incredibly successful team, come into this program, get benefits of the program in terms of marketing input and tokenomic advice and all the things that are relevant for a, you know, a young emerging company. And this fund will invest in pretty much all of them initially. And then we'll have rights to co-invest as well. So I think that's going to be a really interesting fund that certainly um, Sam Bar, my, my father and I, will, will be investing in. Um, and again, that, that can be shared, I think, with uh, the YWALS crew, if, uh, I think it <laughs> Fabulous. will be. Um, the, the, other, the other one is an NFT project that um, I think is really interesting called Fluff World. Um, the guys behind that uh, from, uh, called, from they're called Altered State Machine. It's actually a bunch of New Zealand guys who I think used to work for uh, Weta Studios, which is the um, mm. uh, Peter Jackson sort of Lord of the Rings film studio. So they've got amazing graphics, really creative guys and New Zealand's just I think got a really interesting hub of um, crypto development uh, people at the moment and Fluffworld has this whole metaverse ecosystem that um, there's things called the fluff rabbits and there's a group called party bears 
and that they have artificial intelligence brains and the brains can be uh, matched into a bear or a rabbit and the rabbits will soon be able to breed if you have a male and a female in the same background and they're selling burrows um, I think at the moment as well and um, based on their publicly announced sort of plans that will become a play to earn game. Uh, Snoop Dogg's just bought a whole lot of burrows and I think that they just seem to be doing all the right things in terms of coming up with a really interesting NFT and as we were talking about earlier, the most successful NFTs are not just ones that's a piece of art or something they own that has no other intrinsic value, but owning a, a fluff, which is a rabbit or a, or a party bear, will actually lead to all these other airdrop opportunities, breeding opportunities, play-to-earn gaming opportunities, and just the development and the quality of the team behind it, um, I think is amazing. So we've, you know, we've sort of taken the few guys that I do some stuff with, um, you know, we bought a few of the fluffs and it's done okay so far. And I think, I think that could be the next kind of board ape, um, type NFT. Well, um, well I, I've never but, heard of fluff um, and I, I will go look into fluff here shortly, you know, but I, I, I want to just kind of like from a, th- that, that is one, by the way, when I try to explain that one to my dad, didn't go down very well. He's like, hang on. So you just spent how yeah, much no, buying no. rabbits? I'm like, yeah, but they breed, Dad. He's like, I know rabbits breed. Listen, it, it, I, I, I will admit <laughs> awesome, I, bought, no. I bought a whole bunch of the uh, Logan Paul crypto zoo eggs that have been just an absolute disaster, um, you know, from the fact that they put right. them on ETH and, you know, you buy the egg for um, whatever it was, and then it was costing just as much, if not more, than the original mint price just to hatch them. And, you know, they don't have the game ready and everything else. But but to circle back onto Fluff World, and, and I think a few points that, that are really, really relevant about the Web3 movement. These are games that are, are born from a community. And so you have, you generally will have the founders yeah. and, and, and the initial visionaries, but then you already have essentially majority of the stuff, like you said, pre-sold. There's a community that's involved. They're giving feedback. There's no gaming studio that they have to, you know, rely on for funding or, or to bring this stuff to market. So you, so for the first time ever, we have this true, like a fact that, Whatever somebody dreams, and if it's popular enough and it really is, you know, it has adoption levels, it will make it to the mainstream versus versus what we have now, which is, you know, hundreds of games a year that a, a VC or a private equity guy dumped money into on the promise that this is going to be the next thing. And they're, they're in the, the one, one, a dollar 99 bin, uh, at GameStop, you know, because no one ever bought it. No one cared. It, it was, there was never an audience to begin with. They were just trying to, you know, churn stuff out and hope it happens. You know, now it's everything so directed and, and, um, it, <laughs> And Snoop's all over, all, all over this. And I think that that's going to be the, this is going to be the big year of the celebrities, uh, showing up and, and really grabbing a hold of these NFTs. Cause no. Well, I, I, I have heard some rumors of some additional amazingly well-known people that might be entering the fluff world soon, which if that was true, I think that'll be a step change in d- demand for these things too. But it, I think it was exactly as you were saying, Jen, which I totally agree with. It comes back to management though. I mean, the, the guys behind this at Altered State Machine have amazing experience in terms of coming up with the right graphics, but have the vision and have the imagination and are communicating them that well and have the right social media and have built the right community that are, you know, really excited to go along the journey. Now, there's hundreds of projects out there, and I'm sure there's plenty with much better graphics and plenty with, you know, much better vision, but you know, it, the ones that bring it all together, I think you're going to be the, the successful ones. Going no, forward. And, and, and especially for these, 
you know, massive multiplayer games. I, I think that the biggest thing that, that is going to be the dynamic change is the fact that there's the community is involved and there's an ability for the community to mm-hmm. be involved. I mean, the, the amount of times we hear people screaming and yelling about, you know, whatever world of Warcraft, they did this or Eve that, or, or whatever nonsense they did. It's because it was, it was in a vacuum, you know, maybe they asked for, for some feedback, but you know, they, there's a board that's just going to do whatever they want. Now there's a direct financial tie uh, to, to ignoring your investors, which are your players, um, your community. And I think that again, yeah. having people that understand that and, and from the get go, uh, like what Polymos is investing in and how, see, I got the name right. And, and how, um, how engaged you guys are with the community and the tools that are being developed to interact with them uh, are, are something entirely different than it's ever been seen before in the gaming world. I agree. That's, and that's what it's exciting. I think there's lots of unknowns. And however we think things will play out will not be the case in reality. But um, I think the opportunity in the thematic uh, is just so exciting, um, and so I'm you know happy to be a part of it. And I'm you know lucky. I've got some really smart partners who are incredibly dedicated and adding a huge amount of value and know more about crypto than me. And um, yeah, so far so good. But it's still very very early in the journey, and we're really excited. Well, fabulous, about absolutely love it. Um, how how can people learn more about uh, Polymos and and everything that Sandbar is uh, kind of investing in right now? Um, <laughs> Sandbar is updating its website soon. It's a bit out of date at the moment, um, and I'm not particularly prolific on Twitter or anything. But if you want to learn more about Polymos, our website's probably the best. P-O-L-E-M-O-S.io is the website. There's a link to our white paper there. Um, we'd love to for people to join our Discord channel. Uh, we, we've only got a relatively few. Uh, I think we've got a few thousand people in Discord now. But in the next few weeks, I think that's really going to ramp up as we do some AMAs with the founder of um, Alluvium, Kieran, uh, in the next few days and as we start to sort of uh, do some initiatives with some of the existing games that we've um, we've, we've onboarded. Um, so that will build up in the next few months. But Discord is basically the best medium to understand what's going on within Polymos and, and to stay on top of Fabulous. things. Fabulous. Well, well, Darren, thank you so much for everything. Uh, really excited to hang out here for a second. And, and for everyone else, uh, thanks for checking this out and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.